On this episode of The Playbook, I have the Eddie George Jr. from the Ohio State University Hall of Fame inductee in the College Football Hall of Fame and Pro Bowler. But more importantly, he's an extraordinary entrepreneur. He carries the spirit of excellence from Harvard to Kellogg to an unbelievable business. And he's helping so many young people create and build their own careers. Learn how here on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I have a personal affinity to this person, Eddie George. He is obviously a former NFL running back, college football Hall of Fame inductee, but most importantly, he is a Buckeye and everyone knows the greatest football team is at the Ohio State University and <laughs> the running back of choice for me is Eddie George. Welcome to the playbook, Eddie. David, glad to be on the playbook, brother. Thank you for the great introduction. Thank you for being a Buckeye. Uh, thank you for having me on, bro. This is so good because I'm always trying to draw analysis and parallels between great athletes, entertainers, uh, entrepreneurs uh, with business. and. Looking at the characteristics, I have a saying, enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of your potential, and have a desire that you must be what you can be. And I believe that it's, if it's that, it's so much more competitive to be successful on a football field at that level compared to, there's so many millionaires, right? There's so many millionaires, so many successful business people, but that's the key component. Where did that drive come from to be so consistent and persistent in the pursuit of your of your personal best? Oh, uh, it started in my, my quest to become the best football player, the best running back uh, I could be. Uh, there were principles um, that I've learned. There were um, some techniques, uh, developed habits um, that that were created during my process. I was never I was always this discipline. I wasn't always this knowledgeable in terms of my craft. You know, I had to, to go through some hard times um, to to achieve that, to understand that some very difficult times. Um, I didn't always have this mentality uh, to achieve excellence. I was always trying to cut corners to greatness and realize that you can't cut corners to greatness because that compounds. The more corners you cut, that takes you further and further away from the total potential person that you want to become and what you want to achieve. So. Um, it was just years and years of various experiences, um, eye-opening epiphanies, um, a lot of crossroads, a lot of peaks and valleys, uh, a lot of times getting my ass handed to me, you know, on several occasions getting punched in the mouth. And it was those moments when I got my ass kicked, getting punched in the mouth and get my ass handed to me. That's where I learned my greatest lessons. So it was through that that I was able to say, okay, I know the type of the quality of life that I want to um, that I want to have for myself, uh, for my family, for my future, and uh, that's what kind of led me to where I am today. And we both share one thing as well in our background is my dad left me when I was five, and I spent a long part of my life trying to help and change my father. And I finally reconciled that with love, forgiveness and accountability. And, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago at 80, blessed 
to have a relationship with them and to see a healing on that relationship. Yeah. But, but I get, you know, my mom, I, I have a really strong mom, right? Single mom, yeah. six kids. I was sharing like you, uh, most people don't know, Eddie went to Harvard and Kellogg. He, he is an academic uh, uh, excellence person beyond athletic excellence person. Mm-hmm. So beyond Ohio State, you, you've done it. But my mom raised these kids by herself. But my dad had such an impact because of some of the more negative things that he brought to my life that I had a chip on my shoulder and I, I wanted to prove something. I know your dad wasn't the you know, ideal father growing up, but do you see how he has molded you and motivated you to be such an extraordinary human being? Absolutely. Um, my father wasn't there, but my father was an extraordinary man to me. You know, he had, he dealt with his demons um, with drug abuse um, substance abuse, you know, you know, they say that, um, hurt people hurt people. And that's the mode that he was in and he was searching for that. But what my father taught me was a valuable lesson of who I shouldn't become and why I shouldn't go down the roads that he chose. But I always loved my father. I always respected my father. Even when I saw my father high in the streets and walking around with, you know, clothes on, looking like a bum and people teasing them and this and that. I loved and respected my dad. And it was the game of football that draw us, drew us together, you know, it was through the game that he taught me and showed me that he loved so much that I said, I'm going to make my, pro- my father proud. I want to make him so proud that he's going to want to get off the drugs that, you know what, dad, you are not a failure. You're not a drug addict. You produced a seed, a son out here that's doing great things, that's uh, taking your name to great heights because we share the same name. I'm a junior. He's a senior. So I wanted to put to change the rhetoric around my father's name and his legacy to say, hey, you know what? Your life had some ups and downs. You sacrificed a lot. You went through a lot of pain. But on the other side of that pain, you produced a fruit in me and my sons and so forth. That's excellent. So thank you, dad, for uh, being showing me the route that I shouldn't take. So I'm, I have so much gratitude, so much love for my father. Um, right now he's still living. He does have some uh, health issues, uh, but it, I, I, he had such an impact on my life. Although he wasn't present, he was still present. His presence, his influence, his my the 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 wanting of that love from my father and approval from my father motivated me to become excellent. Yeah. And I uh, share that uh, sentiment about the most important thing is the name on our back. I always joke around that an average division three football player. That was my potential in the game that we both love. But uh, that name on my back meant more than anything, especially because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. That's right. Like for me. And I, I get that. Beyond that, though, the, the, you know, I respected you and admired you the way that you played football at Ohio State. Obviously, I had a vested interest because I'm such a huge Buckeye fan. But beyond when you went to the NFL, the one thing that I loved about you the most is that you showed up to work every day. And, you know, one thing I love about my business partner, Warren Moon, is, you know, you could talk about all the records and uh, how perfect his spiral is. But imagine playing that long like he did. 
you know, most people forget six years in Canada, 17 years in the NFL and and watching Tom Brady right now. I think they're getting a perspective of what it was like to be 44 years old back then and starting in the NFL. Not, not a bad feat, but you next to Walter Payton played the most games consecutively at running back, right? Not a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, right? I give him props, but let's be honest. Right. Quarterback today isn't even what quarterback was when you played, let right. alone what running back is today compared to what. Right. Back. What do you think the secret is to be that consistent? Because there had to be pain. I talked to Brett Favre, for example, who's another person, you know, he's been on the playbook about this. But what was it? Because I think more people, if they stay and, and show up, you know, they're too just tendencies to quit so easily you must have someday said i can't go but you ended up going what was it that made you show up every single week regardless of the pain the drive to be the best i felt like if i could walk i could play and if i'm at 50 percent, i'm better than all the nfl you know at 50 percent. that's how i felt that was my mentality and i felt like my team needed me um it was just a inner. It was just in my inner spirit to 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 succeed and to uh, overcome pain and to manage pain because uh, pain is relative to mind or pace. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It's a state of mind. It, it doesn't. And it's mind over matter. You know, so that's kind of how I I approached uh, pain in terms of dealing with it, managing it, and um, I realized that I had a, a finite window to make my mark um, on this game. And, and I wanted to give my all to the game. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that I was trying to, it was on a record or whatever it was. I was trying to win championships. And I felt like if I'm out there, if I'm present, if I, my presence is felt out there, then I can do my job uh, to help this team win. And there were certainly, there were certain games that I shouldn't have played. Um, certainly games that I, I, I I would get out of bed or show up to practice or even games where I'm like, God, I don't know. I can barely cut. I have no power off my right side. But it was just the will to compete, the will to win that really superseded any negative thinking that I may have had or any pain that I was feeling in that moment. And I said, man, you know, I know at the end of this game, I'm really going to feel my knees and my back and my ribs and my my toes or whatever. Uh, But it wasn't about that for me. It was about achieving a goal that has eluded me um, for for my entire NFL career in terms of winning a championship. Oh, I get that. And so does Warren Moon, as you know. But beyond the field now, you kept that spirit of excellence moving from Ohio State to the NFL, then to Harvard, and then Ke- Kellogg Business School is the top of the top. If people don't know it, you might as well say you went to Harvard Business School as well, but he went to both. Um as you became educated about business and about that side of what was going on, what did you realize about the NFL itself as an industry? It's a business. And I read an article in um, 2005, the tail end of my career, uh, in the, uh, I want to say it was the Wall Street Journal. And it was right around the time the NFL was beginning to renegotiate their um, CBA agreement with the owners and the NFLPA and the players. And well, I was on the tail end of my career. And I remember reading this article and it had all the owners kind of 
sectioned off into groups, the entrepreneurs, uh, the blue bloods, um, the mom and pop shops in terms of how they run their businesses. And then there was one contrarian and that was Al Davis. <laughs> and I began to read this article and, you know, they were talking about how the, some of these owners were um, going at each other and how they were going to divide up a certain part of the pie, this, this money, this revenue stream. And based off of different philosophies, like the contrarian had his only way of how he does his business. Jerry Jones has his way of how he does his business. And the Browns in Cincinnati have their way of thinking and how they do their business. And it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, damn, you know what? All of these owners are focused on this number, these, how you want to divide this pie. And I'm thinking to myself, they can care less about the number 27. And if I have a job next year, <laughs> that's when it became real. Like, yeah, I have a number on my back and that's all I am. I am throughput. Now I am a used up asset. I'm a liability. You know, I'm not the player that I was years ago. In fact, I'm more expensive as a veteran than I would be as a rookie coming out. And although our skill sets might be the same, if this kid is making $200,000 minimum and this savvy veteran is making a minimum at the time a million dollars and they're on par or equal or somewhere in that range, then I'd rather take this kid because he has more upside, this, that, less expensive and so forth. Less chance, and, hurt, less chance of getting hurt as well. Yes, less chance of getting hurt. Yeah. And that's what I said. All right, it's time to think differently. How do I go from being this player to being an owner and um, and taking the principles and looking at um, organizations that do it right versus organizations that don't do it right? Organizations that win uh, in the bottom line uh, in terms of not necessarily championships, but creating uh, experiences for the fans. You know, because that business ultimately is about butts and seats 365. It's not necessarily winning championships. Let's, let's face it, um, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, they are like a, a $2 billion uh, valuation, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and they're the, probably the richest team in the world and hadn't won a championship since 1994, right? Yeah. And but Jerry has figured out a way that he's built a massive stadium, has a ton of events there. He has ancillary businesses around that. That's how he's winning on the bottom line. So, you know, I think it's for his ego if he wins a championship or not. So there are different ways to win um, in, in the NFL. So I say all that to say I began to look at life differently and I became I, I got thirsty and hungry for knowledge. And I felt like at that particular time, um, I needed to be around business-minded people. I, I wanted to be around it and learn from the greatest minds. That's what inspired me to go through the NFLPA, to, to Harvard, to get that two-week module. And then that inspired me to pull on and say, you know what, I'm going to get my master's in business at one of the top schools in the country. Yeah, which is Kellogg. And probably helped you a little bit being in Chicago because you were in the musical Chicago, which is also fun. But more importantly, you know, we both are ambassadors in the financial services industry mm -hmm. or one of the biggest companies. And I have a 
ton of NFL uh, people that are involved now from Marshall Falk down to m- multiple NFL PA people. And, you know, I believe that the financial services business, uh, if when people ask me as a, as a coach, you know, I don't have any money. You know, I, I have a lot of grit. I, I really want to help people. And, but I want to start my own business, but I can't afford to, you know, where should I go? And I do, I send them to WFG. I send them to you, send them to Marshall, your, your team that you're an ambassador for, like my team, I'm an ambassador for, Mm -hmm. but you know, what is it about that industry? You know, you're so great at analyzing, you know, while you're talking about Jerry Jones, if anyone's ever been to the star, Mm -hmm. you'll realize why Jerry Jones makes money. Why that team? Right. Like the star is genius. Like how he brings in. I mean, I think Pepper like bought a building next to his practice facility, and he made more money off that building than I guarantee he pays any of his players. Uh, anyway, you know why? Why did you choose to be an ambassador uh, in that uh, industry? Well, um, soon after I got my master's in business uh, about ten years ago. I started a few businesses. I started a landscape architecture firm that I was a part of, was a principal for, and I realized I was had more. Of a, I was more of an entrepreneur than I actually was an architect. But really, I was an architect of my whole master plan of entrepreneurship. So I began to think, okay, what can I do that's more efficient, that I'm knowledgeable about, that I would love to do. Um, I could help people, um, the, the financial world, specifically athletes. Um, what can I do to, to help? So I was being courted by some other firms, Northwestern Mutual, JP Morgan and so forth. They wanted me to join, join their groups to help build up their um, entertainment side and athletic side. Well, I said, well, I know more people than athletes. I'm not going to be in a box, just the athlete guy. I get what they're thinking, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, so I kind of explored, did my due diligence and on terms of what would it take to be a wealth manager, I began to look at how they get paid and so forth. And I said, man, if it's done right, this is a recurring revenue opportunity while also helping people. So uh, long story short, I got with my financial advisor, um, Greg Eastman, uh, and his firm, uh, First Financial Equity Corp. Got my Series 7 license, my 66 license, my health and life licensing all the same time while I was studying for Chicago, but that's a different story. <laughs> so um, I got all my licenses, started my own wealth management business, the Edward George Wealth Management Group, going up to high net with individuals, uh, athletes, corporations, foundations, uh, people that are in my Rolodex that I can reach out to and drum up business. Well, shortly after I started my wealth management business, I met a golf tournament. I'm meeting these guys there from WFG and, and Transamerica. And they're sponsoring this, this golf tournament uh, through the NFL. And they're telling me about the business. And I said, hey, I just got my license. I'm in the business. And we kind of do the same thing. He says, well, we do, but we don't. And I said, okay, I guess whatever. And left it at that. But those guys are very persistent. And they kept asking me to come to their meetings, to come check it out and look at our business model. Um, it's nothing like you've ever seen before. I said, guys, you know, I'm already in the business. I have Series 7. I don't know where the synergies lie. Well, I said, look, just for to kick the tires on it, let me look at it. Let me see what you're talking about. So one of the things that they had was um, it is completely different because I deal with assets under management. This side is more or less, yes, you're doing one-offs with 
um, selling financial products, uh, insurance to middle America, an area that I wasn't focused on. That was one. Two, um, it was a personal gratification of giving young people an entrepreneurial opportunity on the business and the personal side. <laughs> but on the business side was the idea that I can override their business yeah. to infinity. And it's legitimate. And I really looked at it. And I, I've kicked the tires on. I'm like, oh, my God, this looks great. So I tried to figure out a way how I could have a dual license opportunity and trying to work all through that. And I said, man, I just can't figure it out. So what I did, I, re I reached out to a friend of mine that was my private banker here in town uh, named uh, Rita Mitchell. Um, she's been in the business for 30 years and she's world renowned, got all kinds of awards and all of that. That's said, Rita. Um, I know you're retired now from the bank. You're trying to figure out what you want to do. Um, yes, you can join me on the wealth management side. And I want you to do that. But kick the tires on this. Tell me what your professional eye says about this opportunity. Is it BS? Is it a Ponzi scheme? Let me know. Dig under the hood. Tell me what you honestly think. Because if it is something that, that doesn't vibe with me, we're not going to do it. We're going to do something else. I'm good. So we, um, we looked into it. We, uh, she kicked the tires on it. She saw the same things I saw. She said, oh my God, Eddie, the bones of this business are there. The platform is there to help young people. Uh, the compliance, the credibility of WFG, the credibility of Transamerica, the, the, uh, the uh, non-captive status, meaning that you can go after any provider. Um, just the array of products, everything was there. I was like, oh my God, great. She, so she became my partner in that. I'm not with WFG. I serve as the ambassador. Yeah. I'm the spokesperson. In fact, her and my wife have started this company and a young man by the name of Stevens on this call. He's on our team and I'm helping him build his business. So it is an awesome business to look into. And um, I say, tell anybody, you know, you, you pick up, um, you can Google WFG and you'll see all kinds of stuff out there and, you know, about it, but really do your personal homework. Know what you're selling. Know the difference of a whole life term, IULs, annuities, 529 pens for yourself, because it starts with you. You become your first client. And then once you feel comfortable enough, once you figure out, okay, I, I know how to set up my IUL policies. I know I, I need whole life. I know how I, you know get term. Find people that need it because you will be surprised. And I'm pretty sure you know this, how many people don't realize how underinsured they are and they don't know how to build wealth through insurance. Yeah. And that's, you know, my second chapter of my life, why I was so intrigued by what Marshall presented to me. I'm a, a trust person, but I'm a vet the shit out of you person. Trust and then vet. And that's what I teach that's right. all the athletes that I meet throughout the years from running Lee Steinberg and running sports world marketing with Warren. Trust and vet. The other thing you said, which is interesting, and it's one of the secret sauces in business that you and I share, is you said, you know, they wanted me to, to you know, basically pimp out my friends, athletes to sell yeah. stuff. And I always say this, if you want to be successful in the sports business, learn how to pay the athlete and sell to the masses, right? You got to, right. I never, ever sell to any of my athletes that I've had, you know, for 35 years now, the biggest names in sports, never once have I ever sold one of them. I paid them all. I've given them equity, cash, whatever I could. And I've sold the 
high net wealth, the masses, whoever I could, valuable products using them as my bug light to, to do that. Exactly. But I always, always paint the athlete if you're out there. Anyway, Eddie, I could talk to you all day. I got specially dressed for you even. Uh, I can't wait to do more business uh, with you as well and help Steve because I have had literally thousands of interns in my career and you have captured the best of the best of my intern uh, who's now matured. And of course, he's a Buckeye as well. Uh, thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.